0: hey everybody welcome to the world harvest church podcast we pray that this message blesses you inspires you and more than anything helps you grow in your relationship with jesus for more information and resources please visit us at worldharvestusa.com what's up saturday night so jesus showed up that's always fun Well, I just want to say thank you all for being here. Um, It's definitely great to see your faces and stuff. I'm glad to be here tonight. We had a work Christmas party, and when I told everybody I couldn't make it, they were like, what? Speaking at church, you know. But it's the work Christmas party. But Jesus. (coughs) So, yeah. I was actually just thinking about cell groups while we were sitting over here. And how many of you are part of one of our cell groups? Raise your hand. So if you're new here, keep your hands up. If you're new here and you're not a part of a cell group, I would encourage you to find one of these people and talk to them about a group. It's, uh, it's wonderful. There's something in the fellowship and hanging out with like-minded individuals. So yeah. So tonight, I'm gonna to talk about Jesus and his love for us. We're gonna be in Luke 15 tonight. The Lord put the prodigal son on my heart, and after, and after I read about the prodigal son, I went back and took a whole look through Luke 15 from the start, and I was left with questions of why. Why does Jesus talk about the shepherd going after the lost sheep and the woman going after the lost coin? But why does nobody go after the prodigal son? So before we get going, let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your presence. I pray that your spirit would move on our hearts and in our minds. I pray that you would bring us a deeper revelation of who you are and what your nature is. Thank you, Jesus, that my words are your words. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're gonna jump right into the beginning and just go after it. So verse one, then all the tax collectors and the sinners near drew to him, drew near to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes complained saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. The Pharisees see Jesus eating with these tax collectors and sinners, and they know that he is considered a rabbi by them. They cannot imagine why Jesus, if he in fact is a rabbi, would be hanging out with these sinners and tax collectors because the Pharisees see themselves as holy and righteous, and under the law, it would not be customary for them to hang out with people outside of that clique or outside of the religious community, especially in the capacity of sharing a meal with them at the same table or engaging in that kind of personal fellowship. So Jesus tries to paint a picture to them of the value of that one sheep. Jesus is coming for the one lost sheep. He's coming for the one sheep that got distracted and wander off, wandered off. The sheep in the parable wanders off. He didn't necessarily choose to go. He was part of the flock, and he went. He had a squirrel moment, right? <laughs> so... The best way I could relate it to myself, to make this clear, to make sense, was several years ago, we were in a church. (laughs) We were, I was on fire for the Lord. I had just found Jesus. I was going after it. I was part of the church, part of the flock, doing the thing, you know. And then I left for Afghanistan. There was no church. There was no flock. I did the best I could, but I drifted. God's voice got quieter, 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 quieter. And then I came home and nothing felt right. Nothing was right. I got back into church for probably a few months and I was just going through the motions of it. And then one day during worship, something caught my ear. And I was like, what? What is that? And it was... It was Jesus. It was the voice of God. You know, I just felt that presence again coming coming back. And I realized, like, holy cow, like, I haven't heard your voice in so long. But I came back. He came and got me like the sheep. I didn't intentionally leave. So he came back and got me. So Luke, well, verse 8. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents." This coin was of significant value to the woman. Generally, the 10 coins were the woman's dowry, which was her property or money brought into her marriage. So although one coin doesn't seem very valuable, in this instance, it's of a high value to the holder. So she tears her house apart looking for this one coin. It probably really wasn't that much, but it was one coin. It meant a lot to her. Jesus is trying to emphasize to these guys the importance of the one. So part of this thing with the coin, it would have been regarded much like a wedding ring. So it's it's a big deal. And it reminds me of another story of my wife. This is my wife, by the way. That one. <laughs> we were at a volleyball game, I think, gymnastics meet, something in Eau Claire. And we had left, we got down the road, and she realized she lost her wedding ring. She didn't have it anymore. So in a panic, we turn around, we get back to the school, and nobody's there. There's no way to get in, we're pounding on the door, she's looking for a phone number for somebody to call. You know, it was her wedding ring. So in my infinite wisdom, I say, Well, we'll just get you another one. (laughs) There's not another one. That's the one. So anyways, eventually a janitor came, somebody came, and opened the door for us. And we went in the building, and I remember digging through, we went underneath the bleachers from where we were sitting, and we were digging through popcorn and candy, food, drink cups, just trash to find this wedding ring. And we found it we didn't have to get a replica a fake one (laughs) but that's how Jesus articulates his love his importance his regard for you and I that sometimes we lose ourselves the ring the coin had no part in getting lost it got lost but he's willing to dig through the trash to come and get you. So good. So good. Verse 11, now we're gonna talk about the prodigal son. We've all been there, I've been a prodigal son. Anybody else? Yeah, yes. Ran away. Didn't, didn't work out too good, did it? No, I know it didn't for me. <laughs> So verse 11, then he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he did. The father divided them his livelihood. The son was selfish and prideful. He wanted everything his father had before it was time for him to get it. He wanted all of the benefits of being his father's son without being his father's son. This was, back then, absolutely unheard of to request your inheritance while your father was still alive. It was basically saying that he wishes he was dead, And it was a serious enough of an act of rebellion that the father could have beaten him or even killed him. At the very least, he could have disinherited him and just said, no, there's nothing for you. But he didn't. He chooses to leave his father's house, but not just leave. He dishonors his father and more or less slaps him in the face on the way out. The father doesn't argue with him. He doesn't fight with him. He doesn't even try to reason with him. Why? Because wisdom tells him that he can't reason with pride. He gives him the inheritance and he lets him go. He's not going to force his son to love him and want to be there, much like God with us. He could force us to want to be in his kingdom. He could force us to choose him. But he doesn't want slaves, just like the father doesn't want to slave his son. He wants his son to want him. He wants his son to want to be his son, just like God wants us to want him. So the father loves his son enough to let him go and learn for himself. The father's love for his son far outweighs the disrespect and is worth more to him than the cost of the inheritance. So he lets him go. Verse 13, not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent it all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he set him into his fields to feed swine. I mean, think about that. You come from a kingdom, living with a king, having anything you want at hand to feeding pigs. I imagine he was probably sleeping with the pigs. He was living with the pigs. That's the way I imagine. I don't know if it's accurate or not, but... then verse 16 says, And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said... How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. He came to the end of himself, to the end of his desire, and he knew that even being a servant in his father's house was better than starving to death and living with pigs. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. So we know, how did the father see him a great way off? He was waiting for him. He was waiting to receive his son. Where it says, the father ran and fell on his son's neck, this would have been a full-on running collision, bro hug, tackle him kind of a thing. Like Picture that, you know? For a man of that caliber, it was completely undignified to run. You wouldn't see that. Not only to run, but they wore man dresses. So he had to hike his skirt up and run. So picture this, right? This guy's not sitting on his back porch, drinking his coffee, just hanging out, right? This is his house, this is his land, this is his place. He had to have been front and center in his house, on his front porch, staring down the walk, waiting. He was waiting, he was waiting, he was waiting. He knew his kid was gonna come back. When he ran, He had to have ran past all of the servants, all of the slaves, slave servants in his fields, all of these people that regarded him highly. His, he was so overjoyed when he seen that kid coming down the road that his dignity went out the window. He didn't care what anybody thought. He didn't care what the servants thought about him because his boy was home. It was all he seen was that his boy was home. Now it gets better. The father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. The best robe, the best robe in the house was the father's robe. I imagine this would have been something set aside for ceremonies, for weddings. For I bet you Pastor Bob's probably got something like that in his closet. <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> I don't. I don't have a suit. so Or a robe. Maybe I do. So the best robe belonged to the Father. The ring is a signet of the family. And it symbolizes his reinstatement to sonship in his father's house. Reinstatement to sonship. He slapped his dad in the face, and he was waiting for him to reinstate his sonship. Because he came home and he repented, his father would not receive him as a servant, but only as his son. Amen. <clears throat> In verse 23, he says, And bring the fatted calf here and kill us. Kill it, not us. (laughs) And let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. They had a party for his return. This fatted calf was something that would have been prepared long ahead of time. They don't just have a fatted calf hanging out. You make it fat so you can have a party with it. (laughs) Again, this is the best of the best that the father had to offer. This dude was stoked to see his son come home. Verse 25. Now his older brother, now his older son, was in the field, and he came and drew near to the house. He heard music and dancing, so he called one of the servants and asked what Asked what these meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come. And because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. That ticked the brother off. He couldn't believe that. But he was angry and would not go. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you, I have never transgressed your commandment at any time, and you have never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours comes home who has devoured your livelihood with harlows, you kill the fatted calf for him. And he said to his son, You are always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. When the older brother refers to the younger brother as your son, that tells me that he's obviously got some unforgiveness. (laughs) But he's disowned his brother. He wants nothing to do with him. The father responds to him with your brother, tells me that the father has fully forgiven the son, and he's reminding him of their brotherly relationship. You see, the older son has a Pharisee mindset. He's riddled with religious law. He's pointing out the brother's shortcomings, and in his own righteousness thinks the brother does not deserve this party. He is equally disrespecting his father by trying to undermine his acceptance of the younger brother. The brother was so blinded by his own pride that that he only saw what the younger brother did and had disowned his brother for it. So, What stood out to me? The why. Why does he talk about seeking after the sheep and the lost coin, but not the son? What's the difference? The sheep is lost and wandering. As I said before, he was walking with the shepherd and wandered off. He got distracted, or he probably didn't even know he was lost until the shepherd came and got him. Much like us before we got saved, Jesus was looking for us all along, but we didn't know we needed him until he showed up and showed us what we were missing. There is humility in being teachable and not knowing. The coin, the coin didn't even play a role in getting itself lost, much less knowing that it was lost. But the bigger picture is that its value was great to the holder. And again, there is humility in not knowing. Now the son, full of pride, demands his inheritance and walks away, thinking he'd have it better outside the father's house. He chooses to leave, but why doesn't the father run him down and search high and low for him? Because you can't reason with pride, right? It says so in James 4, 6, that God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. The son received grace when he humbled himself and came home, when he repented of his wrongdoing and decided that living as a servant in his father's home was better than doing life in his own way, away from the father. All the while, his father had already forgiven him and awaited his return. This is what the love of Jesus looks like. This whole chapter is Jesus trying to paint a picture of how much he loves you and how valuable you are to him, but also to show show us the value in other people and not to take a religious standpoint on how we see folks. It's not on us to judge people for how they live or how they have lived. It's our job to love them no matter what. When the prodigals come home, whether it's our kids, our friends, or whoever, decide to come home. We are not to sit back and recount their sins and tell them what they did wrong or even how it affected us. The guilt and the shame they're experiencing is already heavy, and we don't need to add to it. We are to celebrate their homecoming and help usher them back into sonship. Right. Amen. You see, like the fatted calf represents preparation to celebrate something our preparation for that celebration looks like praying for the lost folks that we know and the ones God will place in our path and then being ready to receive them another part of this preparation is us forgiving these people because it's impossible to welcome someone openly and lovingly when you're holding on to unforgiveness towards them I have the piano. but I don't know how to play it. I believe that we have all experienced a piece of this in one way or another. You were lost, I was lost, and then he found us. Some of us have walked away, some of us have ran away. But I'm here to tell you, if that's you, if you've walked away from him, he's right where you left him, and he's waiting for your return. Not only waiting, but he's waiting to embrace you and welcome you back to your place in his house because he loves you. If you found yourself distracted and wandering, he's looking for you. He's looking for you because you're valuable, you're valuable to him, you're valuable to those around you. He loves you. Can y'all stand? you close your eyes? If this is you, if this resonates with you, if you ran away, if you're lost, if you're wandering, just raise your hand. It's just us. Father is ready to bring you home. With your eyes closed yet, doesn't well, everybody just put your hand on your heart and just repeat after me Jesus sorry I've ran. I want to come home. I want to come back to your house. I don't care if it's to be a servant. I just want to be in your home. back. Thank you, Lord, for welcoming back. Thank you, you, Jesus. Jesus. you and you mean everything to him if we could have the ministry team come up If any of you need any prayer for anything else tonight, or if anybody still wants to come back to the Lord, come see one of these guys. He'll pray for you. He'll usher you back. So Jesus, we just thank you for tonight. God, I thank you for your word, Lord. And I just pray that you'd bless everybody on our way out tonight. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. Be sure to subscribe to our channel so you don't miss any new messages. To learn more or to get connected with us, please visit us at worldharvestusa.com. God bless you all, and we'll see you next time.